Hello everyone, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And uh, before the show starts, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that I appeared as a guest on the podcast Set Lusting Bruce with Jesse Jackson. And it's a podcast that is for Bruce Springsteen fans. And we talked about using music in healing and uh, lots of other things. And it was fun. And you should go look up Set Lusting Bruce on uh, whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, and give it a listen. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and this week we have an x-ray technologist with us. So, Lindsay, are you there? Hi. Hello. So, we're going to dedicate this whole episode to the world of x-rays and good stories and bad stories, (laughs) weird news stories, and we'll just talk all about x-rays because that is definitely an area of, for me, an area of the hospital where we're certainly thankful to have people down there running those machines, the CT machine, the MRI, the x-ray, all that stuff. And I know whenever I have to go down with a patient to that area, I'm always like super intimidated. (laughs) I'm just, you know, it's just kind of, I'm just kind of taking care of my patient. But at the same time, there's so much stuff down there. I'm always afraid I'm going to mess something up. But (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm so excited to be here and talk about x-ray a little bit. Yay, it'll be fun. So we'll start off um, today by just saying that I definitely appreciate everybody going on to Facebook, social media, Instagram, Twitter, and just kind of giving us a shout out and letting us know where you're from. Or you can send us an email. If you have any stories that you'd like for me to to do, let us know. Um, you can send me an email at samantina at goodnursebadnursepodcast.com or you can just put it on Facebook or whatever. Um, however you want to get in touch with me is fine. So I guess we can get started. Let's do it. Lindsay, I found the funniest um, article. So we were talking about this before um, we started recording and it's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the They Ate What? X-Ray Contest 2018. <laughs> It makes me wonder how many years they've been doing this. <laughs> I know. And we, so we were t- kind of talking about it before about what article we were going to you know, do. And I was saying it's kind of weird to be doing an, a contest for the weird objects, you know, some weird foreign objects that are found in your pets because I, I don't trust people. And I feel like they're, they're going to just be cramming stuff down their pets' throats trying to win money. Trying to win that prize. <laughs> yeah. You know, it says toys, tile toys, tiles, and towels, and a large one at that. Animals eat all sorts of things, forcing their owners to make a mad dash to the veterinarian. And that's what I was thinking, because I thought, man, people are crazy enough to be trying to put things down their animal's throat, but then it's so expensive to take your dog dog or cat or whatever to the vet. So I don't know. It's only a $500 prize, so I kind of doubt anybody would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, it's the actual... Uh, vet's office that submit the I guess that put the submission in that it's and it's like veterinary practice news.com so I think it's specific to the actual vet's office not people yeah so the first one well actually the winner of this is this bulldog and it's so funny the picture is hilarious this is you know one of those big old bulldogs with a big wrinkly face he's an English bulldog it says he came in he was vomiting and in and 
had a history of eating foreign bodies and that they had to do exploratory surgery uh, the previous year to remove a giraffe's doll head. (laughs) (laughs) So they, this time they go in and they find um, an L-shaped object stuck in the iliocolic junction and also, he had some bruised intestines, so it, whatever this little thing was uh, working its way through his intestines was doing some some damage. Poor little guy. I know. He didn't. He didn't know what he was doing to himself. So <laughs> he just loves to eat those foreign bodies. He can't help. It. I know. That's all he cares about. <laughs> so it turns out it was a boot from a Kristoff doll from the movie Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> And he was the winner. He was the winner. So poor child is missing their boot for their Kristoff doll. Um, And the first runner up is a Savannah monitor. So somebody was feeding their Savannah monitor with a teaspoon. And and I guess he just stuck his tongue out and just grabbed the spoon at all and swallowed it whole. So you can see there's a picture of the x-ray on here. And it's just a perfect spoon right in the middle of his stomach. <laughs> just ripped it right out of there. Yeah, hand. and just swallowed the whole the whole thing. And there's like a Must perfect spoon shape right in the center of his abdomen. <laughs> it's so weird. So I guess they got that out, and he made a complete recovery. Thank goodness. And then there is a another runner up who, and it's so funny. He looks like he's probably like a pit bull mix or something. And I have pit bulls, <laughs> so I have kind of a soft spot in my heart for them. They're so sweet. So um says he was rescued from someone's basement. And that's kind of a sad story. It was emaciated, had been eating. Yeah. Um, I guess he had been eating just whatever he could get his little mouth on for, it says, three days before going into the clinic. And then when they took the radiographs, it says it shows, well, it said they removed three pounds of laundry. Oh I know. God. Belts with buckles, cotton rope, and other objects from his stomach and it says he's just lit that's crazy i know it's it would be funny if it was like somebody you know somebody's dog that was just being obnoxious yeah naughty yeah but to think that he was eating that because he was hungry i was just like oh i can't stand it but he is now though on a good note living with the uh, in the veterinarian's home so he's probably just absolutely spoiled now so that's okay good yeah (laughs) so it has a good ending and who is there was one more honorable mention and this is which i really don't understand because i felt like this one to me was the craziest one a (laughs) five-year-old labrador now that is a large dog but still presented with a it came in like its abdomen was very painful had wasn't eating or drinking and they knew that the that he you know chewed things but they weren't really necessarily missing anything it's not like they went oh one shoe was missing, you know, so we kind of, so then they did radiographs and it showed an enlarged stomach with suspected foreign body. And so the veterinarian removed it, the body, the foreign object, and it turns out it was a bath towel intact and swallowed whole. That's insane. How do you, how does a dog even swallow a whole bath towel? I I mean, I just, it's, it almost said like once he got started, he had to just keep going and he probably just like kept swallowing and swallowing. No turning back now. Yeah. I mean, how did he not get just completely choked? But the whole thing was down and he did not get choked, but obviously it wasn't going to pass through. So they had to remove it surgically. Oh my God. So that's our x-ray in the news story. I thought that was really fascinating. And I know you don't do um, animal x-rays, but still. So, and so we talked about it a little bit before you are an x-ray technologist. And so that's a little different than just an x-ray technician. Explain that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, 
if you ever talk to an x-ray tech, they might get a little offended if you call them a technician, mm -hmm. just because uh, technologist implies that you have an education, which we do. We all go to four years of school. Mm -hmm. And uh, technician implies that you would just have training. Yeah. It's like, it. When, and so if you hear x-ray tech, x-ray tech, x-ray tech, I think for most people probably tend to want to just make that abbreviation into technician. It, you don't even yeah. think about the word technologist. So that I can kind of see how that would happen. But I can also see how if you go to school for four years and have a degree to do something, you want to, you know, you want to be acknowledged for that. And you want that. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I, I can respect that for sure. I don't There's, correct people or I usually I usually well, just tell them I'm an x-ray tech because yeah. it's it's short. Yeah, I wonder too, because, you know, tech and tech technician and technologist can both be abbreviated to tech. And that may be part of the problem. Yeah, I know that there are some respiratory therapists that I work with um, at the hospital who do not like being called respiratory techs because they're like, we, I'm not a tech. Yeah. I'm a therapist, a respiratory therapist. And they, they too will say, you know, we go to school, we have college degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom works in respiratory and she would say the exact same <laughs> yeah. thing. So I think that it's good. And that, and one of the reasons that I wanted to bring people of, uh, all over the medical field onto this podcast to kind of have a sense of unity in the medical field. Sometimes we have that silo effect where you kind of like whatever I do is the most important thing and what everybody else does yeah. is just not quite as important as what I do. And it's just, you just don't, don't understand, you know, what other people do. Yeah. Everyone else is only there to help. It's me. like, what my job <laughs> is the most important and you can make a total case for why. And you're all here yeah. to assist me. So if, but the thing is we all need each other because I don't know, Absolutely. you know, what, what would we do if we have a patient laying there in the bed complaining of their abdomen hurting and or they maybe their mental status changes and we're wondering well did they have a stroke you know you what are you going to do what's the mm -hmm. first thing that you do when a, a patient complains of mental status ct <laughs> you're going to, to ct, CT. right now <laughs> so if, if we didn't have you guys what would we do we just stand there scratching our heads <laughs> let's start tpa and hope it's not a hemorrhage <laughs> yeah so I, well, and we're like, we can find out what it is, but now I don't know what you want me yeah, to do Yeah, everybody. <laughs> we all have to work together to help the patient. That's the whole point. And so we all, I think it's really important mm -hmm. to ever, for everyone to respect each other and try to be patient with one another because that's another yeah. thing that happens is, and <laughs> and this is a storytelling podcast, so, and I do have some mini episodes sometimes where we kind of get off on talking about specific things. I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but I can get on a soapbox real fast if we start talking about unity in the medical profession and how we, we all need to be oh, yeah. having each other's backs and everything because it is so important to me. I I don't like it when I'm in the hospital and I feel like people are not respecting one another. I We all should be respecting mm -hmm. each other and should be patient with each other. And if for some reason something's going on and the, the doctor's ordered labs and phlebotomy hasn't come to order the labs yet, you just, you know, we just assume that they're in another they're with another patient doing stat labs somewhere else. You know, just always yeah. give people the benefit of the doubt. That's just how I, I like to work. So yeah. that having said all that, and I got on my soapbox, <laughs> <laughs> we can get started with the bad x-ray technologist story. Yes. So this story is so funny because I did uh, the research on this several months ago because I, when I... <laughs> I heard it on a podcast, and now I can't remember which one. I think it's on several. I don't think it's on just one. I think I've heard it on a couple, too. Yeah, I know it's on My Favorite Murder, because I definitely remember them talking about it. 
but I want to say I heard it for the first time on a different one. And then I heard it on, I, I may have looked it up and said, did they do it? And then listen to theirs uh-huh. or vice versa or something. But anyway, I thought I want to do this one so bad. It's just so good. But then <laughs> I wanted to have a good x-ray story to go with it. So I, I didn't want to just do the story about the x-ray yeah. technologist and not do have a good one. So there's a couple good ones yeah. out there. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm so glad that I finally let you had messaged me or something on Facebook or, or responded to a post that I made or something like that. And I was like, yeah. yes, I've got an x-ray technology. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is the story of a real ser- serial killer who was in the movie The Exorcist. Just that alone to me makes this story absolutely fascinating to think that one of the yeah. scariest movies of all time has a person. Yeah. A real killer. He literally, <laughs> not only was he a serial killer, but while he was in the movie, they assume that he was probably during that time, He it would have been around the time that these killings were going on. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. It was like during yeah, shooting. Like that, it would have been a, pr- I mean... Just He's because of, it was several years time and they, they kind of figured that pro- most likely it, he was probably actively killing at that time. Mm-hmm. So in 1973, gay men in New York City were being vicio- viciously murdered. So there were several instances that happened. I will say that if anybody, this is kind of a rough story. So if, if there's any, if you have any triggers, you might want to skip ahead a little bit because, and I, a lot of times I try not to get too deep into the details because I don't like triggers myself. So sometimes if somebody says that in a podcast, I'll be like, oh, I'll just skip a little bit then because I really I love true crime, but at the same time, I don't necessarily like gore. And But this yeah. story, it's hard not to go there because it, it really is dark. Yeah. It's very dark. And I just, I want to tell the story. But so anyway, I just wanted to say that before I had to get too far into these details because it, it gets pretty bad. So having said that, one man was stabbed to death and his apartment was set on fire. Several men were murdered and dismembered and their bodies were found floating in bags on the river in New York, um, some in New Jersey. The murders would end up being referred to as the bag murders uh, because of that. And after a prominent drag queen by the name of Tony Lee was strangled to death, an article was written in a paper called The Village Voice, causing a lot of attention to be focused on the murders. So police began kind of focusing on the investigation a little bit more. And if you think about it, you know, back in in the early 70s, mid 70s, probably it was definitely not the world that we live in today as far as the gay community and what was acceptable and and so, it, I mean, I, I really hate to even think of it, think this way, but unfortunately, the police may not have taken it as seriously because of because it was gay men, which oh, is yeah. horrible just to even think about. Yeah. So they did start taking it, you know, more seriously, trying to focus on it. And then a film critic by the name of Addison Virill was found stabbed and bludgeoned with a cast iron skillet in his apartment, in his apartment. Yeah. Oh my God. So a journalist, and this kind of has some details where it's kind of like, wait, who did what? So (laughs) it gets a little confusing when I was... (laughs) Need to get out some paper and draw a little map. I know it's how like, <laughs> let's do a diagram, but it, I, I tried to organize it um, in my, my notes to where it made sense. But as I'm telling it, I'm almost con- getting myself confused. But so, <laughs> so these murders start happening and then a film critic. So I guess a more sort of a prominent person who was outside of the gay community. Oh, okay. So he was maybe considered prominent 
outside of the gay community. That's Addison Varell, and he was found stabbed and bludgeoned with a cast iron skillet. Then a journalist named Arthur Bell wrote a major article about his death. And then that journalist was contacted by a man who claimed he was the killer. And he told the journalist details that only the killer could have known, such as the fact that there was Crisco grease all over the crime scene. Grease? Yes. Yeah. Do they say why? No. <laughs> I know. And when I was doing this story, I was just like, wait, where? Why? What? <laughs> but I mean, I guess some things just really can't be explained. Only the person who did it would, you know, and clearly this person is out of his mind. Yeah. Another man also contacted the police and claimed that he knew the man who killed Addison Varell and told him that it was Paul Bateson. And Paul Bateson was a 38 year old x-ray tech. Uh, well, it says technician. The the Everything <laughs> that I found said technician. I don't know if that's a different role. Like maybe there is an x-ray technician that's just do you think no they're probably just wrong they probably said it wrong okay <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna ch i'm gonna say technologist and assume that he Thank was you. a technologist and not just somehow like trained to just do x-rays and nothing else <laughs> so he was a 38 year old x-ray technologist at nyu medical center and so the police go and arrest him and charge him with the murder, while he's in jail, I swear, every single week, I say this, people, if you're going to do horrible things, at least have the sense not to go to jail and start bragging about it to other people. Everyone is a mole. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, and they all have something to gain. If they are in jail, oh, yeah. they don't listen to this podcast. So, no, and I'm kind of glad I really don't want them listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so the police arrest him, charge him with murder. He starts bragging while in jail about killing multiple gay men just for fun. And it says that he admitted to killing Varel. He claimed that they met at a bar and went back to uh, Varel's apartment. And at that point, he realized, Bateson realized that Varel wasn't really interested in him, you know, in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it sort of set him off and he killed him. So he did get 20 years for murder, and he was released in 2004. What? I know. Well, if you think about this happened in the 70s, so he got 20 years. Yeah. Why in the world he would only get 20 years for that? I don't know. But as yeah. it turns out, so all of that happened, and then the movie The Exorcist was filmed at the hospital where Bateson worked as an x-ray technologist. Okay, because I was kind of wondering how he got in yeah. the movie. Because I'm like, you have a job. Mm -hmm. And William Friedkin was the director of the movie. And incidentally, his mother was an operating room registered nurse. So if, <laughs> if there was a way to incorporate a nurse into this, I guess. I, I feel like I could make any story about a nurse because there's got to yep. be so, either somebody or somebody's family member. Someone's is a always a nurse. <laughs> Someone somewhere is a nurse. <laughs> when he So when this director was filming the movie, he wanted to have a realistic effect. So he asked a real surgeon and his team to be in the movie. So does that make sense to you that when I was reading it, it I didn't understand that, like a real a surgeon and his team and that part of his team would be an extra technologist. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. So we go in on surgeries okay. all the time, like for um, like for gallbladders to make sure you get all okay. the stones or obviously orthopedic cases when they're putting in new pieces. So are you doing that during the surgery? Is there some, yes. some way? Really? You're doing that scan during the surgery? I'm yeah. totally... Uh, exposing myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So we use a thing called a C arm and it's called a C arm because it looks like a giant C mm -hmm. and a piece goes under the table and a piece goes over the table and it just uses live x-ray or fluoro 
Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just during the surgery, we'll just like take pictures as they go, just make sure everything's going in the right spot. We'll do live x-rays while they're um, pushing dye through the gallbladder and the canals to make sure it's all clear of stones. Nice. So yeah, that makes sense. And is that sort of interventional radiology? Is that the same? Not quite. Interventional is more like for placing stents. Okay. But I I don't have a lot of experience with interventional, so I couldn't really tell you how similar they are. Okay. So that's basically how he ended up in the movie is um, the director approached, I guess, the surgeon and said, hey, uh, we'd like to come and do this scene in the movie and we want it to really seem real. So we'd like real medical professionals doing the you know, rather than trying to get someone who's acting like it. That's probably a good actually... idea because you have all those shows where everyone's just doing things terribly. Oh, exactly. And you're like, why did they not ask someone who knows how to actually do that? <laughs> I think that all the time. And this was done back in the 70s. And they had an, the, enough sense at the time to go to, you know, just, hey, let's get people who actually know what they're doing. And they, yeah. you don't have to be an actor because you do this all the time. You just do your job. Yeah. You know exactly. So that's what he did, and then Paul Paul Bateson was the ex- X-ray technologist in the movie. And there's a picture. You all you have to do is Google him, and you'll see the picture of him. And it is the creepiest thing. <laughs> oh, it's just. I mean, he's just. I think he has like white, maybe like white scrubs on. You know, back then a lot of people were white mm-hmm. in the in the hospital. So their director, William Friedkin, he found out that Bateson was an extra in his film and he decided to go and visit him at Rikers. Oh. Yeah. At, in prison. And he interviewed him and he decided after he interviewed him to make a movie kind of based on, well, not exactly based on that whole story, but the movie was called Cruising. It was um, about a cop who goes undercover in the gay community to try to find a serial killer who's targeting gay men. Huh. So it's sort of loosely based on it. But when the gay community found out that he was doing the movie, they tried everything to ruin it. They did not want this movie to happen. Mm -hmm. They felt like it was very disrespectful to the gay community because it sort of depicted the gay community as if they're all just this bar scene um, over the top. Yeah, probably just like the, super stereotyping. Yes, and that's how they felt like it was just so disrespectful because yeah. this is how everybody who is gay is and that there's no other side to it whatsoever. So they did not like it. They didn't feel like it uh, depicted the gay community in a, in a very positive light. And so they protested and marched and tried to make a lot of noise to disrupt the movie. Um, and I think they, they did disrupt it. Now, ultimately it was, I mean, it was, they were able to do it. I don't know how well it did, but, um, Mm -hmm. they were able to film the movie, but I think they caused some problems for him. It, Anyway, so I had and that, no idea about that movie. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah. So they must have disrupted it enough if I've never even heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily. I don't. <laughs> I don't think it won any awards, but it wasn't a big hit. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, it was had Al Pacino in it. I think. Huh. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. If it does, my husband's probably going to listen to this and just scream at me. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that I like have no idea what I'm How talking about. How do you about. not know this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was one of his better movies though. I don't know. So that's the story of Paul Bateson wow. and the a serial killer being in the movie The Exorcist. So I knew that he was in the movie and he was an x-ray tech, but I did never know if he was an x-ray tech and just in mm-hmm. the movie or if he was an ex- playing an x-ray tech in the movie. Yep. 
Nope. But now I guess I know that he was bald. Yeah, he really just worked at the hospital and did his job. Was just there on the right day. Yeah. Yep. Or maybe he was just the best looking one. I don't know, because he certainly looks creepy. <laughs> Although, maybe for them. <laughs> well, maybe that's yeah. why he's in it. <laughs> they probably thought, wow, this guy's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is so creepy looking. Put him in. <laughs> I mean, he just kind of looks like he's not even there he does he just has that look (laughs) like like just kind of creepy i don't know how else to describe him so anyway that's my story what have you got for the good x-ray technologist story well i did a little bit of a history lesson on a woman named florence florence ada stoney okay and she is known as the uk's first female radiologist oh all right so that actual doctor that reads them Mm-hmm. But it was way back in the day, so she was also taking her own pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I think like when x-ray first started, they only had people doing their own pictures and then reading them. They didn't have like two separate two separate divisions doing them. So the radiologist would take the pictures and then also sit there and go over and read them and yeah. do the report. Okay. So uh, I'm going to talk about her and her sister a little bit. Her sister's name is Edith Ann because they kind of, their story goes hand in hand. Okay. And I know that from a family of all sisters, I'd be so mad if my sister was getting all the praise and I was part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so Florence Ada Stoney is known as the UK's first female radiologist, but she's actually Irish. She was born in Dublin in 1870 is where this all takes place is in like the early 1900s. Okay. Uh, I could never find an actual birthday. They just said she was born in 1870. And she came from a family of very high achievers. Her father was George Johnstone Stoney. Johnstone Stoney is kind of hard to say. Yeah. That's his whole name. (laughs) Johnstone Stoney. George Johnstone Stoney. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really Irish. Yeah. Uh, But he's an Irish physicist and he was credited for introducing the term electron as the fundamental unit of electricity. Hmm. So he's super smart and she has a, she has her sister. I think there's another sister and two brothers. So there was quite a few kids. All right. Um, Her father was also a large supporter of education for women and he later helped open up Ireland for medical licensing for women. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, so he's like a little feminist. Awesome. That's great. There's not a lot of information on her before she goes to college, but she first went to college at the Royal College of Science in Ireland. And at that time, women weren't allowed to study medicine in Ireland. So that's when she moved to the UK. She moved to London because that's what she wanted to do. And they wouldn't let her do that in Ireland. Okay. Um, So then she went to London and studied at the London School of Medicine for Women. And she graduated with an MBBS in 1895 and I had no idea what an MBBS was so I had to look it up and it stands for Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery. Oh so that's a little different. And I yeah well and then the letters didn't even match up because (laughs) that would be BMBS and so I had to look up that I was just going down a hole and that MBBS is an acronym for like the Latin version of it. Hmm. And basically all that just means that that's the UK version of an MD. Okay so they I think they (laughs) Eventually, maybe you just went to MD and to match yeah. the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she got, she finished all that and got her MD in 1898. So then after that, she was working for the university for several years and she was lecturing in anatomy. And it was here at the school that she started developing an x-ray department um, with her sister Edith because her sister is a medical physicist and she's considered in a in a bunch of sources I looked up she was considered the first female medical wow physicist. these people are just underachievers yeah. aren't they <laughs> <laughs> yeah her family was just like on wow. another level oh and then I just put like to put everything in perspective this is all hap- or she started lecturing 
in about 1900, and x-rays were first discovered in 1895, so they were still really new. Okay. Um, it was, so after a couple of years, she's lecturing, teaching anatomy, and making up this x-ray committee in this department with her sister, but it's later that she learns that because she's a woman at the London College of Medicine for Women, she can't be part of the department that she's setting up. Oh, that's so... <laughs> I know. And I just couldn't believe that it's the College of Medicine for Women, and she's not allowed to be on the committee or, like, part of the faculty. Amazing. <laughs> so she learns this, and her sister Edith was also working for the college, like I said, because she's helping set up the x-ray department, and she's um, also lecturing in physics. And so around the same time, they were both like, you know what, if you're not going to let us be on the faculty, then we're yeah. out. <laughs> so they both quit and left. So soon after they both resigned in 1914, um, Britain entered World War One, And on the same day that they entered the war, the sisters were like, we're going to put our expertise to work and we're going to go volunteer with the British Red Cross. Oh, good. So they get there. Yeah. So they get there, and the surgeon in charge says, we don't want your help because you're wrong. Oh, good grief. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Even though you guys are the best in your fields, and you're, like, making all this technology to help us find shrapnel and bullets, like, we don't want your help. So then they go over to Belgium to offer their services, and Belgium is like, yes, we would love your help. Please come help us. And so they start working for um, at a hospital in Belgium. And it was here that Florence, our leading lady, started her own volunteer program for soldiers that was ran solely by women. Hmm. So the only people working in this unit were just all women. I think I read somewhere that they the only men working were two male drivers and her assistant was a male. Okay. And everyone else was a woman. <laughs> She's like, men, you have enough opportunities. We're going to just do women. Yeah. You can yeah. drive us around. <laughs> so they're in Belgium and the timeline was a little hard to understand because I'm not a history buff. But it, from what I understand, the Belgium, the place they were at in Belgium just kept getting bombarded. And so they finally had to leave that area and ended up going to France to like set up another unit. And this unit was funded by the women's suffrage movement. And it was a 250 bed tent. Good. So it's like four times bigger than the hospital I work at now. Wow. Yeah. So it was here that the sisters, they set up like, they installed an x-ray unit and were doing x-rays and reading them and this is where they really started using x-rays to diagnose gangrene gas in injuries to see if they needed to uh, amputate to increase the chances of survival mm, okay and they had they had to move the camp a couple times due to damages in the war and it said that some of the places that they had to set up their tents was one was in a, like an abandoned music hall one was an abandoned silk factory and one was a drained swamp so they're like in a drained swamp <sighs> doing x-rays Dude. <laughs> working on soldiers and they're probably in dresses <laughs> so i'm just like these ladies i think that it. i i think that i or one of us did a story about a nurse I wonder if it was the person that started the midwifery program but they started out here and they weren't able to do they wanted to they wanted to help with the war so they weren't allowed to help oh man now i can't remember and i i think i was the one that did the story <laughs> anyway it's, it was the same thing. They went over and they worked. I want to say yeah. they worked with France with um, a, an organization that helped because they weren't allowed to work as, because they were women and um, yeah. they weren't allowed to help, which. And France is just taking anyone that will come. Yeah. <laughs> They're just grateful yeah, for help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they set up all these um, 
all these tents and they they do a ton of work not only for the war and the soldiers but just for the use of x-rays in like diagnosing for for gangrene grass like i said and just looking for shrapnel so they they do all this and they they're awarded a ton of different war medals and acknowledgments for their work and i think about this time is when britain is like give it, finally giving them a pat on the back and finally acknowledging that they do know what they're doing even though they're just ladies so after the war um edith accepted a position edith is the sister she accepted a position as a physics lecturer at the king's college for women in london so it's another women's college but it's not the same one and her and her sister florence lived together in london uh florence was one of the first five women to be offered a full-time work for the war office and she consulted at two hospitals with her radiology expertise so this is when she becomes like the first female radiologist okay. in the UK. Yeah. And so she goes on and she publishes a lot of research in fibroids and goiters and Graves disease and rickets and especially the use of x-ray in treating those conditions. Awesome. So at my conclusion here, she, um, like most of our radiology pioneers, Florence died of conditions attributed Ew. to over-radiation <laughs> exposure. <laughs> they weren't... Uh, up to date on safety yet. Um, One source that I saw said that she died from a long and painful illness, while another said that she had spinal cancer, which I guess would be a long and painful illness. But they're pretty sure she got it from radiation exposure. Oh, I'm sure. Um, And Florence died on October 7th, 1932, and her obituary was published in the British Medical Journal, and it said that she... It said that Florence, quote, worked for the love of her profession and of her patients. She asked no honor and no thanks. She was a pioneer in radiology and a great woman doctor, end quote. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so that's Florence and uh, Edith Stoney. That's awesome. So I love these stories. Every now and then we do a story like that about um, someone who was pioneering like that and Mm -hmm. um, sort of blazing a trail for people, for us to just do whatever we want to now, you know, and I think it's just amazing. I'm so thankful for those women for what they did. And I'm thankful for the men who also stepped up at that time and went against the grain, you know, when I'm sure it was not easy for them to do so. It's one thing for women to say, hey, we, we, we should have rights. It's another thing for men to go against other men, you know, and say, yeah, I think they should have rights too, you know, so. Yeah, and accept that help and take that mm-hmm. risk. Yes. Well, that's her, that was a great story. Yeah. I found that one and I was like, she's first female radiologist in the UK and she's a bit of a feminist icon, so we got to do it. Yay. Perfect. Well, Lindsay, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to do this episode with me. It was really special and um, I think it's going to help people understand more about what you do and uh, your profession and um, help us all kind of understand each other, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. That was fun. I'm glad I got to come and talk a little bit. And I just have to say, since I'm a, also a mammo tech, I have to talk about it's mammo. Oh month. yes. October. So ch- check your breasts. Yep. <laughs> so you do that as well. Mammograms. Yes. Yeah. So happy mammo month, everyone. <laughs> happy mammo month, everybody. Um, spread awareness. Yep. All right. Well, you guys have a good week, and remember, even if you're a bad girl or boy, be a good nurse.